Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. I like this holiday because it makes me think of the gospel. How's that, Pastor Eric? I thought, glad you asked. Uh, Because on Labor Day, what do we do on Labor Day? Huh? Rest. We don't labor on Labor Day. And the gospel is all about Jesus' labor and our rest. You think you should have to work for something like this to have this kind of goodness and going in your life in favor, but this is nothing that you can work for. You can only rest in it. Hallelujah. So remember that whenever you get up late tomorrow or or cooking on the grill or doing something leisurely, remember that that experience, that what you are there experiencing is what you're experiencing in the, in the spiritual every day of your life in Christ. Total rest in Him. Because He labored for us once for all. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5 this morning. 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to go to a story about a man by the name of Naaman. And we're going to learn some lessons from this story, this particular account of Naaman's life. We're going to begin in verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Hi, Jeannie Baker and Bobby. I love you. Verse 1 says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. And we'll know what that victory was about in just a moment. He was also a mighty man of valor. There are a lot of good things to say about Naaman here, doesn't it? Great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. The Lord had given him victory. Also a mighty man of valor, which means he can whip you right now. And, but, these next three, but a leper. But a leper. This uh, first truth I want us to focus on from this passage of Scripture is that the strongest and the best still have needs. The strongest and the best still have needs. Your boss, your senator, your president, your teacher, your doctor, your attorney, they all have needs. All the people that you would consider to be great in your life, people from whom you would... uh, take counsel or advice or learn from, they all have needs. All of us have needs here today. Am I the only one? Huh? We all have needs. And and so it, no matter how good you may think someone's life is or how great they are, at the end of the day, if they don't have oxygen, they're dead. We all have needs on some level or another. And I, I was really struck with this years ago when I was an associate pastor out in West Texas at a church, and this, we had this cardiologist that came to our, our church, and he was a very sought-after cardiologist. He traveled all over the country, actually, to do uh, this one particular heart procedure that he had mastered. And, uh, but <laughs> he and his wife came in for counseling <clears throat> Excuse me, one day, and 
as, as they began to tell what their problems were, it was beyond what I was expecting. And of course, I learned a long time ago never to act surprised anything anybody tells you, especially when they're looking for counsel from you. But I will admit, on the inside, I was freaking out over all the things that this man had done that was not good and was doing at the time. And, uh, and so it caused a lot of strain in his marriage. And so, but his wife wanted to work things out. She was willing to stay with him and, and, and work things out. But, and, and they did. They ended up staying together and, and walking out um, their marriage toward a better path. The more you watch, uh, let's say the political process right now, fun, huh? Especially uh, as of late, you realize if anybody has needs, <laughs> it's these guys. First and foremost, the need to shut up <laughs> and stop lying to us. We're not that stupid. Huh? And the more they dig up on these guys, you know, the more lies you find out, the more scandals, the more uh, cover-ups and dirt that they find. Everyone has needs. It, we all do. But God has given us a way to, to find supply for every need in our life. Matter of fact, you know the scripture, and my God, come on, say it with me, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we have supply, but we also have need. And so we have a God who has made it, created this world and created us in such a way as to need so that he will always be important in our lives and that we'll always need to come to him to receive from him. And he has so much for us, but I have a responsibility as, as your pastor to teach you how to get your needs met. And because one level or another, as I said, we always have need of some kind. And so I know that if you will walk by faith, you will receive everything God has for you, period. It is the answer. It's the victory that overcomes the world. By faith, people are healed. By faith, people are set free. By faith, people do all kinds of marvelous things. A lot of marvelous things happen in our lives. It's, it's where the supernatural has the entrance to intervene into the natural course of events. And, and, and it's through faith in God. So whatever needs you may have in your life, those needs will be met. If you'll choose to put your faith in Him, no matter what, simply have faith in God. Let's, let's look at verse 2. We've we got to keep going. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Wow. This next truth that I want to pull out of this passage for us to take home today is Sometimes the most unlikely people have the most important things to say to us. It's obvious when you come to church because that's what you came to hear. It's obvious when you see people who are called by God and people are speaking into your life that you expect to hear something from God, from people that are, have spiritual oversight in your life. But it's those 
people that you, we tend to overlook or deem more as average or, net, or, or, or uh, normal in our lives that sometimes if we're not careful, we'll miss God speaking to us in those times and, and overlook a really powerful moment. Uh, Casey and Paris Stone uh, have a little girl named Savannah. Well, she's not so little anymore, but she was little at this time. And we had, it was during, we had a prophetic, our annual prophetic conference, and this was maybe two, three years ago or so. I think Savannah was maybe seven or eight years old. <laughs> and, and so Eric and Jenna, when they were our kids' pastors, one of those nights they decided to introduce the baptism of the Holy Spirit to any of the kids who wanted to receive to speak in other tongues. So they had like 21 kids that night have that experience. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible thing. And so, I mean, there was just buzz about it. Parents were, you know, coming out telling us that their kids had this experience, you know, and the kids were, everybody was just excited. And so we were over at the house and we were having some finger foods over there. And and Casey told me, he said, we were talking about what had happened at kids' church that night. He said, yeah, he said, Savannah, he said, she didn't actually had that experience tonight. She had it earlier in the year in a kid's camp. And I said, really? I said, so, so I bent down <laughs> and leaned down to Savannah, got down to her level. I said, so Savannah, you talking that funny language now? And she looked up at me just as sincerely as she could. She said, yeah, now I say what I really want to say. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's powerful because she... In that childlike mind, somehow she had this revelation that I wish all of us could get, that who we really are is the Spirit. This flesh is not who we really are. It's where we live. But the Spirit is who we really are, and our spirit wants to say something. But many times we get, by the time, when it wants to say something, by the time we get it out here, we've got it all messed up. Through our own experience, through our emotions, through all kinds of things. But when you pray in the Spirit, praise God, you pray how you really want to pray. You say what you really want to say. You know, you, uh, excuse me. So we have these, we have this very specific time of year when we have like men of, and women of God who, who do move in the office of the prophetic and we get specific words from God from them and we have an expectation on that. But I want to just encourage you that if you're dealing with something and you hear someone speak to you confirming that very thing, listen to them. Listen to them. Many times you'll find that in everyday life, in casual conversation, because God loves you and he's always speaking to you and uh, wants to guide you in every step of your life. Verse 4, look at this. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. This guy is bringing an offering to church now. <laughs> then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, and said, which said, now watch this, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. So let's just imagine for a moment, the king of Israel gets the letter from the king of Syria, all right, by the hand of Naaman. Uh, I'm just trying to imagine what he's thinking. I think it's something like this. Ah! Something along those lines, just freaking out. What can I do about this? This is is crazy. See, 
the Syrians had already proven to Israel that they could beat them. As we saw in verse 2, this little servant girl that's in Naaman's house that's waiting on his wife, they had taken her captive when they raided Israel. So now this king is freaking out thinking, uh, this guy's just picking a fight. He wants to fight. Syria is certainly the, the stronger power here. And so, look at verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. That, that was his only conclusion here. The king of Israel just thought he just wants to fight. And so he thought this was a political problem. This is another truth I want to pull out from right there. Men too often look for political answers to spiritual problems. The king of Israel not only misunderstood the king of Syria's message, but he also believed that God was against him. Now, truly, God wasn't appreciative of the things that he was doing. But the point is, he thought God was against Israel. And just because your life may be in a mess right now, and just because things happen to you that you cannot explain, it does not mean that God is against you. God loves you. God is on your side. And he has done everything that he could for you to show you that he loves you by sending his own son to die for our sins <clears throat> and everything that was wrong with us. His problem with mankind and sin ended all at that crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of his son. All of that went away. It all ended, and Christ became the focus of God's attention to you and I. So, <clears throat> now, I want to get a little bit theological with you for just, thank you so much. Yes, is watching me struggle enough. Sorry, I'm catching a healing. <laughs> so he's <clears throat> that it is said by uh, by some that Jesus came as the second Adam. He's not the second Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. That's what the scripture says. The second Adam was Cain. The third Adam was Abel. The fourth was Seth and all the way to you, this 16 billionth Adam in the earth. Jesus is called the last Adam. So God <clears throat> sees, uh, looks at the world through two views or looks at two, mankind through two views. And that uh, those views are that the problem... Uh, he sees us through Adam. And that is, the scripture says that in that one man, death came to all men. Because that one man sinned, death came to all of us. Because all sin. So then God reckoned that everyone was to blame. Everyone, when he saw you, he saw Adam. So we all were at fault. But thank God, 
He didn't leave us there. Then Jesus came, who's called the last Adam. And so now when God looks at mankind, he looks at him through his son, Jesus, this last Adam. And how does he see you now? No, no longer a sinner. But now he sees you reconciled to God. Because that's what the scripture says, that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Thank God for that. He sees us in him. So now the world now needs to hear this other view from God. They need to hear about this last Adam, don't they? They need to hear this message about Christ dying for their sins and rising again and God not holding their sins against them, no longer keeping a record of their wrongs because now we have peace with God. But people ask, well, then if that's true, then why are there so many bad things happening in the world? If God reconciled the world, if he, if he did all this, because there is still a devil in the world and he's still influencing people. He's still speaking, he's still lying. Now, he is defeated. We know that Jesus, this purpose, the Son of God, was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So we know that, 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 but it's not automatic. You have to invoke and enforce that victory that Jesus brought to you by walking by faith. And that keeps the devil in his weakness. That keeps him in his defeated position. But the moment someone begins to believe the lie, that thing becomes powerful in their life. That lie begins to take in, uh, influence, get, make in, <laughs> begins to influence them. Forgive me. So, so he's not going to lose. The enemy's not going to lose if you don't make him lose. And if people don't really understand these things, and many don't, they don't understand this message, this great message of God to us and how much we need him. And that, that really, the essence of all of this is in the spirit, the war that's really going on between God and the devil. And the war that was going on between God and man is over now, peace with God. But there is a war that's still going on in the spirit. And the devil is still doing his best to take out this image of God. But if they don't really have the right perspective, then people will then start to blame one another because we have to have answers, don't we? We have to be able to point the finger at something or someone and say, it's their fault. This is the issue. This is why this happened. And so they also think that uh, if, they can, if they're the problem, they also put their trust in that, that somebody else needs to fix the problem. So this is where we are as a country they start looking to the government to be what only God can be. And they start looking to the government to fix their problems. And the government's solution is, well, we'll just throw more money at it. Education, we'll just put more money in education. Uh, 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 healthcare, we'll just put more money in healthcare. We'll, do, we'll just distribute money here, distribute money there. But money is never going to fix the problem of poverty, Ever. The, the, I mean, the government can throw all the money it wants to in that direction, but it's never going to fix the problem. And the people who are looking for that kind of system are actually bringing themselves into slavery. And all their freedoms are being taken away because they are looking for the government to do what only God can do. You know what the truth is? And no government can truly end slavery either. Did the Civil War end slavery? It didn't end it. Matter of fact, it made things quite worse. 
The, the, the Civil War, and I'm going to say this again, Abraham is the only president ever to declare war on his own country, on his own people. So they went to war, and we lost half a million plus in that battle. Line up all the wars that we fought in, and, and they still don't compare to how many we lost, the casualties of the Civil War. Our own people. And it was, and it was, it was devastating to our country. And it wasn't until 100 years later that the government couldn't fix the slavery issue. Oh, they could, they could do an, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and they could say that it's done, but it didn't really get done until people went to the streets. And a guy by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. took it to the streets and they began to march in the streets and take it upon themselves to get free, knowing that there's nobody else that can do this but us. You're not going to be able to get free until you decide you're going to be free. No one can make up that, make the, your mind up for it. Nobody can fix that for you. You have to decide, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to live in this freedom and liberty that God gave me. And I have the responsibility to take care of it myself. Because your faith in God is the victory that overcomes the world. Verse 8, so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So the king of Syria, watch, the king of Syria knew that there was healing in Israel, but he didn't know that there was a man of God in Israel. He didn't know that there was a man of God who had a voice that would speak for God there. Many in this world, they understand that God can heal, that he is powerful and that he has the ability to heal. But what they really need to know is that there is a church where God's voice is still in the earth and that we see these things, we see healing flowing out of this place and that we speak a word of healing and God is using his body in the earth. God has an answer for every problem. For just a moment, if you would, can we just close our eyes for just a second? I want you to think about maybe whatever, maybe a, about a specific problem that you're facing right now. I want you to just confess this with me. God has an answer to this problem. I don't know what your problem is, but God has an answer. Say, today, I believe I receive my answer. Today, I believe that I receive my answer in Jesus' name. Verse 9, then Naaman went with the horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. That's interesting that this is Elisha. He's not Elijah. He is Elisha's, Elijah's protege. Elijah has already been taken up to heaven in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire, and now Elisha is on the scene. Elisha had a great ministry. Matter of fact, it's recorded that he did two times as many miracles uh, than his father Elijah did. I mean father as in father in, in the spirit. And <clears throat> Elijah, but Elisha at this point in time, you can read a couple of chapters earlier in 2 Kings chapter 3, that he had a reputation in the area, but the only reputation that he had was that he washed Elijah's hands. He had already hit the, the, the River Jordan with, with the mantle, the coat, and it split wide open. Nobody even mentioned that. He had uh, pronounced a curse on these kids who were making fun of him, and 40, like uh, these she-bears came out and mauled like 42 kids to death. Yeah. 
So, I mean, already some big things happened, but, but the only way they knew him was that he washed Elijah's hands. That's it. That's the only reputation he had. It's kind of like, it's kind of like many of you know who Joel Osteen is here, right? I mean, isn't, isn't he like America's pastor now? So it's like extended the, the, the walls of their church in Houston, which only has like 49,000 members in it. Bless their heart. They're struggling, but y'all be praying for them. But, I mean, this, he's ever, but hardly anybody in this generation knows who John Osteen is. His dad, John Osteen, was the one who founded that church and who had a great ministry for many, many years and, and I mean, really impacted our family. My parents and were really moved by, by John Osteen. He used to go out to his conference every, there, every year in, in Houston, but nobody here today knows, knows who that is. And the, and the older generation who knew John Osteen and his family very well, they just think, well, Joel Osteen, well, that's John's boy. But that's not how we know him today. So this is kind of Elisha's, <laughs> Elisha's deal, right? And, I mean, uh, Elijah and Elisha's deal. Look at this. Look what he says. Then Naaman went with his chariots and uh, horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10, and Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. You know, the answer is almost always simple. How easy is that? Go get in the water, dip seven times, and you're done. The re- but see, religion often doesn't like those simple answers, and Naaman did not like that answer. I'm going to finish with this last verse. Verse 11, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, now the King James says, I thought. He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Imagine this, Naaman already had this picture in his head of how this was going to work, what the man of God would do. I don't know why or how he concluded that's how it was going to happen, but he had a, a, a picture in his head. He had a thought. So what did he say? I want you to go to the river and dip, dip in. But he says, no, 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 no. That's not how I imagined this happening. See, this is, this, this, those two words, I thought, are what keep people from really receiving from God many times. Because he wants to get to us. But, but God has so many unconventional ways he does things. And really, the truth is, the way he does things many times is so simple, we overlook it. We complicate it. We think it's going to be something way different. Get something in our heads that we just can't seem to get out of sometimes and miss what God really has for us. But God is, thank God for his mercy and his grace to us. Don't let what you thought, how you thought it was supposed to happen. When you pray and you thank God for provision or, or opening something up to you, whatever it might be, don't put any limits on this thing. Don't start putting your finite thinking on it and limit and keep you from having what God wants you to have. Keep it simple. Keep walking by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together with all of these that are here. Lord, it's so good to be here, and we thank you that you loved us before we ever even loved you. You chose to love us, and you accepted us. You forgave us. You called us and you made us your own. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we were so lost in our sin, but we weren't near as lost as your power to save us. And we thank you, God, that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And you came to us, and you lived among us. You became a man. You became like us so that, Lord, now,
Through Jesus, we can become like you by simply believing on him. Thank you, Father, for all these that are here today. And I pray, Lord, whatever things they may be facing, whatever issues, problems, trials, pressures of life, difficulties, God, that, Lord, you have an answer for everything. Your word says you are a very present help in time of trouble. So we trust you. We thank you that now we do have the answer because we have God in our life. And Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As long as you are in our life then, there's always a way. There's always a solution. There's always hope. So we thank you, God, that you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I pray for your peace now to be upon all these, the sound of my voice, Lord. Peace and grace be multiplied to them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.